forth. <coughs> Huh? Okay. Oh, Ephesians, the fourth chapter. As we continue on, y'all have to remember. I don't have to hear. I just have to speak. I'm going to use up everything I've got, and if this is all, I'm going to use it till it ain't no more. God be my helper. Anyway, he says, in verse, we got through much of this. Verse 17, this I say, therefore, he writing to the church at Ephesus. And the assumption is that these are all professedly saved people because they've all given outward evidence that they have repented and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Their confession has been the same. Paul said in Romans 10, for with the mouth... Confession is made, and with the heart, man believeth unto salvation. So, uh, now Paul doesn't know every member, and he doesn't know any member's heart. He can just assume, and if a church is practicing what they should practice, you can assume that the majority of the church is saved. Every now and then somebody is deceived by Satan or even by themselves or by other people. And they made a false profession of faith. But a whole church hasn't done that. I have heard preachers come to conferences where there's mostly pastors, preachers there. I don't think everybody in my church is lost. Well, you're doing a bad job, aren't you? I don't assume my church members are lost. We, we, we do everything that we can to make sure that they're not. And that they don't, they're not deceived. And I preach the whole counsel of God. So if somebody is not saved, they can recognize it by the truth that's being preached. So I used to always gripe me to hear some of the preachers saying that. Uh, anyway, he says... I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles, heathen, Gentile heathen, as they walk in the vanity of their mind. Does that say anything about all heathen, all non-saved people? There's a sense that they're walking in the emptiness of their mind. Right. So why don't they believe it? Because they don't have anything there to believe it with. Right. Having their understanding darkened. There's that word. Being alienated. What is an alien? I know everybody talks about aliens now. Uh, there's a thing on the... Uh, 
uh, TV, Ancient Aliens. Have you ever seen it? I've never watched it. I've seen it. I refuse to watch it. What it says to me, they're talking about aliens that have created us. I refuse to watch the crap. That's what it is. An alien is a foreigner. Now, I know where there are plenty of aliens. And they're coming across, especially the southern border, and some on the northern border. And they're illegal aliens. Oh, nobody's illegal. They are. Anyway, but he said, we in our natural flesh have been alienated, made foreigner to the life of God. Adam was not created as an alien cut off from the life of God. He walked with God every day until he sinned and then he became alienated from the life of God and so does all of his progeny. That's all of us. And this is all through the ignorance that is it. When Adam was not ignorant, when God made Adam, he was intuitively brilliant. I don't know how many animals Adam named in the Garden of Eden. And I don't know how many that was. But I'll tell you what, I run out of names real quick. Elephants and giraffes, hippos and rhinos. But get past those, and I'm already running out of names. I watched those mountain men. They trapped martins, pine martins. I never knew a pine martin existed until I started watching them. Well, they're kind of akin to a weasel, but they're fur-bearing, and they catch them for fur, trap them for fur. Anyway, Adam was intuitively smart. Adam did not have to learn how to speak. That just really bugs me. When they put man back as some kind of half monkey, that uh, <laughs> there, was, there was a movie they had that they showed evolution and showed those half apes. And that's who, who we came from. Adam was never like that. No human beings were ever like that. He was highly intelligent. Able to. If you could hold a conversation with the creator God of the universe, you ain't missing on much. And he did. Of course, he was there too. Adam didn't become ignorant till he sinned. And then he became intuitively ignorant. Lack of knowing. Anyway, I don't, verse, 
because of the blindness of their heart. Who? Referring back to what he just talked about, those ignorant Gentiles, ignorant heathen, because of the blindness of their heart. Their, their minds are empty. They don't know anything. And their hearts are blind. Pretty bad shape, aren't they? And they are alienated from the life of God. Say, so, well, everybody uh, everybody's, is a child of God. No, they're not. No, they're not. And they, who, who being numb, past feeling, you'd be numb, wouldn't it? Have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Man, pretty bad picture there, isn't it? And that's exactly what it is, a pretty bad picture. But y'all have not so learned Christ. Christ's not like that. If so be that you have really heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Uh, come unto me, all you that are heavy laden, and learn of me. If so be you have been taught by him. See, he's the teacher, as the truth is in Jesus. And that is all of it, the truth is in Jesus. Now here's what he's taught you. That you all put off, now that's, that's a command. Put off. Concerning the former conversation or conduct, conduct includes what you're saying, but it includes what you're doing also. Put off concerning the former conduct, all that you were doing back when you were alienated from the life of God. Oh, okay. So put off that conduct. The old man, now ladies, this is not exclusive to us fellers. That word is anthropos, and that means mankind. That means male and female. Yes, they're two different, but they're all human beings. And he said that you put off the old person. Not just old man. And we won't insult you by saying you've got an old man with you. My wife has got an old man with her, but that's not what he's talking about. The old man, the old person, that's what every one of us, if we're saved, 
that we were before we came to life in God. And that old person, man or woman, is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. What has fed that corruption? The deceitful lust. The lust that deceive you. Oh, this I have to do that. That's deceitful lust. And he says for us to be renewed. Now you can't regenerate yourself. He's not talking about regenerating yourself. He's talking about these that have been regenerated, restored to life in God. Those who have been there, he says that we must be renewed in the spirit of our minds. Notice that's a little less. You know, there's a human spirit. There's the spirit of God. And there are demon spirits. There are other spirits. He said, try the spirit. So let's try the spirit. No, he said, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. I think that spirit of your mind would be the attitude of your mind. I think I'm safe in saying that. That's how, how else could you be renewed if it's not the attitude. That's the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Think of who you are. Romans 4, Paul says, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin of Romans 6. Reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. Well, if I'm dead to sin, what am I doing doing it? <laughs> be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Amen. You got to have another mind about you. Reckon who you are. I am a child of God by the grace of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and I have become his child and my life is determined to serve him. What in the world am I letting that old stinking man control me for? How am I doing that? Why am I doing that? And that you put on the new person which after or by God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now that true holiness, Spurgeon's got a great message on that. And the Greek experts will tell you uh, that should be read holiness of truth. That you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and holiness of truth. When God did a work of grace in us, He planted within us a love 
for his law. Oh, they don't like that, would they? <laughs> but that's what it says. We don't keep the law in order to get saved. But we have a love for the law. i tell you what. Though it, I understand how precarious my situation is. That the law was my greatest enemy. Until the Lord gave me a new nature, a new man that could love his law. Jesus became the curse of the law in my behalf. Amen. And now like David, Lord, how love I thy law. I don't know about these guys. Oh, you don't need to pay any attention to God's law. I think they're giving you wrong advice. It goes even deeper than that. But <clears throat> when I hear, I read it, or somebody reads it, Exodus 20. I'll tell you what, when I just, and God spake all these words, that gets my ears up. God spake all these words. And then he gives, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. <laughs> and then he goes on down. I am thrilled. Not because I am a law keeper in my natural self, but because my Savior is my law keeper. Amen. And now all of that curse is out of the way, and now I can love his law. Amen. So, Holiness of truth created within me a principle to love his law. And see, that's why I don't understand all of these people, these pastors, preachers, and all that who try to, to pull people away from the literal understanding of the word of God. What are you doing? That's what that, Satan did in the Garden of Eden. Didn't he try to pull Eve away from the literal understanding of God's word? God said, in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And then Satan says, oh, well, he, he didn't really say that. You shouldn't take that to heart. He didn't really say that. Don't take this. To, he didn't really say that. Don't take it to heart that he's going to have a thousand year millennial reign. Oh, it doesn't really mean that. That's what Satan does. Anyway. <clears throat> Wherefore. Putting away. Lying. We think lying is okay. In our world today. We excuse politicians. Oh if they don't lie. They can't get elected. Ah, lots of people say that. Be surprised who says that. Let me tell you what. Lying is one of the top ten. And it's no coincidence that right here, when he it begins to tell us the specifics 
of how we have learned Christ. And that's what this is. You've not so learned Christ if you've heard him. And here's what we learn. Putting away lying. Lying is no way for any child of God to live. And if you look over in John, you see where, who is the father of a lie? The same one that's the father of the murderer. A liar and a murderer. Put it away. That's what our Christian life is about. Putting away, putting off, and putting on. Amen. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. Well, your neighbor's your near one. And this is contextually, it's talking about church members. For we are members one of another. This church at Ephesus, he's not talking about the whole world. We're not members one of another, the whole world. Can't be, it's ridiculous. Now here's another command. Putting away lying is one. That's a command. Be ye angry. And I don't have any problem with that. But now the next part gives me fits. And sin not. Boy, if it had just stopped. I hadn't gone on any further. Been in good shape. But he said, be ye angry. There's lots of things to be angry at. I, I, I really get angry at all the evolution garbage. A lot of other garbage. Anyway, but he said, sin not. Don't let your anger cause you to sin. Wonder how many people are behind bars and probably should have been hanging by their neck because they didn't control their temper and they ended up killing somebody. I don't know what went on, but was it Texas or Florida? They just had a shooting. I think it was Texas. Anger. And you let it go. And it leads to awful, horrible stuff. And then you what? You spend your life having to try to clean up the messes you make because of it. Not a good life. Well, he said, be angry. That's a command. Well, how long can I stay angry? Even if I don't sin. Well, look what he says. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Amen. You got till sundown. <laughs> Isn't that what he said? Let not the sun go down on it. I get mad and I get over it. Don't I? But you can't brood on it. Now here's why you can't let the sun go down on it. Because you brood on it, you brood on it, and it grows inside of you, and it eats you up, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. But if you get it all settled before the sun goes down, 
then you can have some rest. Get up and everything's good in the morning. Because his mercies are new every morning. But if you're brooding on your anger, see, anger can be a lust. There are some things that are legitimate. Jesus had anger. Anger itself is not sin. He turned the money tables over, drove them out with the uh, whip before and after his ministry. He said, oh, you Pharisees, hypocrites, uh, several times, repent or you all shall likewise perish. Several times, there was a little anger there, righteous indignation. So there's, there are things to be mad at. I'm mad at some idiot that tells a little boy to go have his thing cut off because he wants to be a woman. And then, the, then, and then the devils that do it. The governor backed it. He's backed it. As well as murdering all them babies. I get mad over that. I can't do much about it. But he said, let not the sun go down upon your... Especially if you got... He's talking to church members. You got a problem, husband, wife... Son, daughter, mother, daddy, church member. You get that settled before the sun goes down. That's a command. He said, putting away lying. He said, be ye angry and let not the sun. That's, if he said, let not, you can do that. You must do that. Go down upon your wrath. Now, neither, see, here's your, here's your Hebraisms in the Greek New Testament. Paul's a Hebrew. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. See, that's what you do. You move over and let the devil move in your place. And if the devil's got you, he'll end up, he'll have you murdered, even in your mind. He'll have you murdered, if not really absolute. Maiming and murder. He will. <clears throat> now. Don't give place. That's what. That's just the Greek word topos for place. Don't give your room to the devil. Your spot. You move over and let the devil take over. Let him that stole. Steal no more. There's another command. Quit stealing. Where, where, where are you stealing? Well, in many ways you can steal. Stop it all. Go to work. <laughs> Bible's pretty plain on that. But rather let him labor. Working with his hands. The thing which is good. Now that's good labor. Somebody said, well, I don't need to work. I got, I got money enough I don't need to work. Well, just work so you have money to give to others. There you go. People may think, because we don't do Christmas, that we don't give. Beverly and I give all year long. Almost daily. 
bigger part of our money goes for others, doesn't it? I'm not bragging. That ought to be first, first order in the child of God is giving. If you don't have money to give, go to work. Get you another job so you have money to give. That he may have to give to him that needeth. Now here's another command. Let no. See, that's another command. Corrupt communication. Now that corrupt. I think about whatever. This actually may be talking about rotten meat and rotten fruit. <laughs> that poison you, wouldn't it? All right. Possibly you go down the pike and you see a truck that's got corrosive liquids, acid, whatever. You don't want to mess with that. Seem like those are always trucks that turn over and <laughs> trains that always crack, derail, got all that stuff on, nuclear weapons or something. Anyway, but he says, let no, you mean to tell me that my sweet mouth can have Poison coming out of it? <laughs> Truth of the matter is, all of us can. Probably do from time to time. He said, let, don't let it happen. Who can control that? The owner of the mouth. <laughs> That's the only one that can control that. So you made me. No, 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 no. You're the one that has control over that. That's what he says. You let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But what am I going to have coming out of my mouth? Here's, here's what a child of God is supposed to have coming out of his or her mouth. That which is good to the use of of building up, edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. What are you saying? Think of what you're saying before you say it. Well, I was mad. Stop the mad. Shut the mouth until you get it straight. To say what God says that it may edify and not destroy. Corrupt destroys. Can you destroy people with your mouth? You sure can. Just you see it on little children, but it, it works on big children too. You you can constantly tell a kid that he's dumb, and he'll pretty soon believe you. You just on them all the time. You can't do it. You can't do it. It eats them up. It destroys them. And you see, our job is not to destroy people. As he says right here, our job is to minister grace to the hearers that they may be edified, built up in the most holy faith. And when we let our temper go beyond 
That's what happens every time. I don't care who you are. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Now, grieving the Holy Spirit of God. I had heard most of my life Armenian preachers and they give their big invitation. They say, well, now we come to the most important part of the service. And that's the invitation. You ever heard that, brother? Please don't be talking or looking around. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. I tell you, there's more of them I've heard it from than I haven't heard it from. And I say that has nothing to do with grieving the Holy Spirit because you can't even find an invitation in the Bible. Well, what grieving the Holy Spirit consists of is everything we've just been talking about. Amen. The Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. And doing violating all this grieves the Holy Spirit. Has nothing to do with some kind of invitation. Here's another command. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Now, malice is just another one of the other things. Malice is evil intent. Let all of these things we're not to live our lives espousing bitterness. Have you ever been done dirty? Yes, and so have I. All of us have been done dirty. But we're not to be bitter about it. We're not to be wrathful about our everything. And anger, clamor, just almost muckraking and evil speaking. And malice, let it all be put away from you. Can I do that? I can and I must. And here I love this one. Be ye kind one to another. He's talking about church members here. But now next chapter he's getting into husbands and wives. And I believe that that applies not only to church members. I believe it applies to husbands and wives. I believe it, believe it applies to parents and children. I believe it applies to children and parents. Be ye kind. You know the, the virtuous woman in Proverbs, what law comes out of her mouth? Anybody remember? The law of kindness. <laughs> there it is. Be ye kind one to another, tender hearted. That ain't a brute. A tender hearted man or woman is not a brute demanding that everybody be punished to get out of your way. 
tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. God has not forgiven you because you ask him. If God has forgiven you, he has forgiven you 100% for Christ's sake. Now, a lot of people don't like that. God does not forgive you for your sake. He only forgives you for Christ's sake. That's his work of redemption. Amen. Now, notice that, forgiving one another. Now, that Greek word there, alleluus. That's reciprocal forgiveness. You know, reciprocal engine goes in. Exhaust, stroke, and power. Power, stroke, exhaust. Power, exhaust. Reciprocating. And what that means is, there ain't just one of us that needs forgiveness. <laughs> that means both of us do. And that's what reciprocal forgiveness is all about. And I've got this here. I do not like unkind things said to me or about me. Anybody like that? People saying unkind things to you or about you. Does anybody like that? Nobody raised their hand. I don't either. Then I must not do that to others. <laughs> okay. I do not like people who are difficult and make life difficult. Anybody like be around people that make life difficult? Then I must not make life difficult for everybody else. I must not be that way. There's so many things you could talk about here. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Now, how many times did Jesus say? Seven times 70? 490 times? If he says, repent, I repent, forgive him. That's it. And then next day you get another 490. And that's what we are to be. That's what he says that we must do. And we are commanded to be that way. God help us to remember that and be renewed in the spirit of our minds. May the Lord bless you all.